Girl, did you notice that, like, the timestamps, like, when it tells you, like, where they are, what time of day it was, were really fast in this episode? I had to, like, rewind it four times for the note-taking. Oh, did you, Grandpa? <laughs> Peepa? Papa? <laughs> Poppy? <laughs> Grandpappy? <laughs> Hi, Ellen Marsh. Hi, Patricia. I think I need to take off my sweater. Honestly, okay, it's gross. really hot. Hold on. We just started. <laughs> Why am I seeing your boobs? You guys, this is what I deal with. She's. I'm looking at her in her brassiere. Are you wearing a halter top? I, honestly, it was just what was on my bed. I was wearing a sweatshirt. I can already feel myself overheating from this case. And I just... <laughs> I anticipated it. I anticipated the flop sweat. Okay, here we go. Hi, Patricia! Hi, Ellen Marsh. All right, you guys, if you're looking for more Ellen and me, join us on the Patreon. So, girl, we just completed our second monthly trivia. How did it go? It was so fun. We had our guest, Lord Christopher Walker, join us. It was such a blast. We messaged him. We were like, hey, you don't happen to be busy on this Friday night. And he joined us, and it was so fun. <laughs> you guys, everybody at the $5 level or higher gets to join us for our monthly trivia. But you also get three full bonus episodes every month. Right now, we're covering Snapped. The episodes are bananas, girl. I know. <laughs> every time I watch Snapped, I'm like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, you also get our Friday Night Live as a podcast every Monday morning, which is a good transition. Tell them about the Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at the disappeared pod, not disappeared pard, but we do have a parody account called the disappeared pard. From the day that I said that, shout out to them. And every Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, we go live. You know, we say it's to talk about the episode, but honestly, we just go it's on. It's not really. It's really, honestly, we just go off on whatever tangent emotionally is driving us that day. And it's, it's generally. True. You know, Patrick coming for me and me just feeling sorry for him because his his game is pretty pathetic. It's also Patrick coming from Chrissy Teigen and John Legend's house sometimes. You know what I mean? So it's not just coming for you, it's coming sometimes from there. You know what I mean? I don't I don't have I don't have the energy <laughs> to be kind to you today. It's it's Monday. I don't. <laughs> You guys, Disappeared Season 4, Episode 3. It's called A Heavy Metal Mystery. Tells the story of the disappearance of Morgan Harrington. A beautiful 20-year-old Virginia Tech co-ed is looking forward to an evening of fun at a Metallica concert. I mean, Morgan was kind of like champagne. Morgan was bubbly and um, cause for celebration. At the concert, Morgan leaves her seat and doesn't return. Even though uh, she was warned that if she left, she would not be allowed to re-enter, uh, for some unexplained reason, Morgan walked out the front doors. Strangers report seeing her later that night. It's 3.45 in the morning, and I was like, why is she out here with a miniskirt on, out here, her legs out, and she's with these three guys? But her friends and family never see her again. It's a strange place and time to be where your best case scenario is you're hoping your daughter is held against her will. The police struggled to find viable leads in the case. We had a girl we knew was missing. We had a purse. We had a cell phone. And that's it. I remember looking at the investigators and saying, we have a problem. 
I've got lots to say right at the top, girl. I know, me too. I've got let's just let's just take turns to monologue. Let's just take monologuing turns today. Okay, great, 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 great. I really, really fucking hate heavy metal music. I oh, really hate it. Okay. I-, I didn't know that's where you were going. It's so loud in my delicate little eardrums. That's point number one. Point number two, in this episode trailer, we see Morgan's mom, and she says she describes Morgan as being kind of like champagne, bubbly, and a cause for celebration. I know. I thought that was so cute. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have to say at the top. Every time they they talk about this like concert that she went to, they play this like fake heavy metal music, and it's awful. Yeah. It's definitely it's like, awful. they're like, we couldn't get the rights to Metallica, so can you play a lick with a guitar? It's like, It's Saturday, October 17th, 2009. 20-year-old Virginia Tech junior Morgan Harrington is at her parents' house in Roanoke, Virginia, getting ready for a night out with friends. So this is where we're at. We're at Saturday, October 17th, 2009. We're in Roanoke, Virginia. Am I pronouncing that right? I think it's Roanoke. Am I wrong? You know about the colony, like the Roanoke colony from North Carolina from like the 1500s that went missing, right? Oh, okay. I'll go with you on that. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about or no? You can say a hard no if you don't know. I do. I do know now that you said it, but it's one of those things that like triggers and like awakens the back of my brain. It's like, (laughs) oh, oh, oh. Geometry? What? Huh? Huh? Like that. Okay, great. Yeah. You know those things where you're like, I think I learned that? Is that like you hear the name John Wilkes Booth and you go, assassin of JFK. Got it. We're all here. We're all on the same page. Oh, you woke up this morning and you chose nastiness. There you are. (laughs) For my off-the-cuff comment 17 Mm -hmm. years ago that happened to be caught on the internet. You said into a microphone that John Wilkes Booth killed JFK. <laughs> and I am here to make sure the internet remembers. The internet never forgets, girl. Morgan um, liked getting ready. I think girls do. The part of the, the fun is the anticipation of going out. So we chose uh, an outfit together that Morgan thought was danceable, but looked nice, and uh, chose her jewelry. So she's 20 years old. She's a junior in college. They go through this whole thing about her getting ready and the mom saying how much she, like, loves to get ready with the clothes and the makeup and the jewelry. And I went, girl, it takes me about 13 seconds altogether to get ready. Have I fully given up? Have I just... Well, I mean, you said that, and immediately I thought, and it shows. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so No, I know. I do know what you mean. I have mirrors at my house, too, girl. Oh, I do know you what are you perfect mean. the way you are. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I have four shirts. But all to say, they were just like a super adorable family. And Mama Jill tells us that she was dressed all in black. You know, she was wearing black boots, and she was wearing a little skirt and some tights. And she was wearing a little black backpack. Now, we often flash back to the 90s and the choices that we made back then. But the touchstone (laughs) and the ultimate 90s accessory was a little mini backpack. Is that right? Yeah, I do not want to give all the credit to Cher Horowitz. I feel like she needs some credit. (laughs) Who's Cher Horowitz? She's from Clueless. I'm a homosexual. Why are you making that surprise face? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Here's my question. Who was Cher Horowitz named after? She was named after Cher, the singer. Correct. We will now take an impression. Thank you very much. (laughs) I was like, is this a trick 
question? No. I got, wait, what is it? I got you to hold me tight. No, that's not it. I, I can't, I can't remember. I got you to, do you believe in love after love? I can feel something inside me say, I really don't think it's strong enough, no. Okay, I was hoping just kind of for like a, Oh, Oh, I I was being extra. That was extra. I apologize. Tonight, she is going to a much-anticipated Metallica concert. A huge music fan, Morgan got the ticket as a gift from her father. For Morgan, this concert is the event of the year. So the thing is, tonight she's going to a Metallica concert, right? She's been planning this for a super long time. She is super into it. I wrote, this is truly her Lilith fair. Yet not an Indigo girl, not a Paula Cole, not a sensible Sean Colvin anywhere in sight, girl. <laughs> not a Cheryl Crow, not a Jewel, not a Natalie Merchant, not a Letters to Cleo. Katie Lang? Sure! Well, you guys, she gets dressed in her very best Pantera t-shirt. What is wrong with everybody? Why do people like music like this? There's nothing <laughs> melodic. There's no folk. There's no folkiness to it. The Obsessed with Disappear podcast does not condone Patrick's statements right now about heavy metal music. Thank you. Now in her third year of college, Morgan is planning on becoming a teacher when she graduates. Although she prides herself on her independence, Morgan still sometimes struggles with her finances. She relies on her father to help her. Christopher calls her out for not being very financially savvy. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, Christopher. I know. So this is important because the day after the concert... Morgan is going to go to her dad's to, like, balance her checkbook and pay some bills. And he was actually really excited about that. I've never balanced a checkbook in my life. I've never been good with money in my life. But even back when checkbooks were a thing, I never... What the fuck does it mean to balance a checkbook? Balancing the checkbook is when, like... You make the minus sign for the money that you took out of your account. Yeah, I mean, that's not a thing with online bill paying anymore. But yes, my love. Did you used to balance your checkbook? Yes, I have always balanced my checkbook. I have always kept track of my finances. Because for me, balancing the checkbook was just waiting until I went into overdraft and then calling and begging them to take the charges off. (laughs) That's so much faster. What's wrong with you? That's so weird that you're a podcaster and not an economics professor. (laughs) That's... This is my surprised face right there. That one. How does money work, you guys? So she left her parents at noon on that Saturday. She goes to pick up her friend Amy, and then they were going to head to the John Paul Jones Arena. I just need to take a really quick detour because I don't know if there's any Bachelor fans out there, but I kept thinking about John Paul Jones from Hannah Brown's season. What are you talking about? What? John Paul Jones. He was like a character on The Bachelor. You guys, Ellen sometimes has a hard out, meaning that like she's got to go at a very specific time. It's always those days that she just wants to meander through the app. She wants to fucking meander. Let's meander today, girl. You're right. So we can do the last 40 minutes of the episode and the last 10 minutes of the recording. That's always the best. You're right. I'm wrong. You're right. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong and I'm wrong. So wait, we get they get to the stadium for the show at 7 o'clock and I just went, oh God, this music again. At 7 p.m., the John Paul Jones Arena at the University of Virginia is bustling with Metallica fans. Morgan and her three friends take their seats as the opening band warms up the crowd. Like, the actual heavy metal music is bad enough. Why are they playing this rip-off, like, poor man's heavy metal music? It's horrible. I would imagine to piss you off. So... (laughs) 
they go into the arena. They watch the warm-up band, which I'm sure is some other heavy metal nonsense. No, 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 no. Did you miss who the warm-up band was? Who was the warm-up band? The Indigo Girls. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did I miss something? It was the Indigo Girls. They went on tour with Metallica. You didn't know about this? At about 8.15 p.m., Morgan tells her friends she is going to the restroom. When she is not back half an hour later, Morgan's friend Sarah calls her cell phone to find out where she is. Morgan tells her she ended up outside the arena and can't get back in. The venue has a strict no re-entry policy. Since Sarah has Morgan's car key, Morgan tells her she'll find a ride home and hangs up the phone. This doesn't make any sense! This whole bit does not make any fucking I sense. I know. So remember, Morgan got dressed up in her Pantera shirt and her family heirloom jewelry to go to this concert. She was so excited about this. Then she like gets up to go to the bathroom before the show starts, which makes sense. We are told that she was told over and over and over again, if she goes outside of the venue, she won't be able to come back in, and she does it anyway? Yeah, I mean, you know, when they said half an hour went by, it's actually not crazy for someone to, like, be gone at the bathroom for, let's say, 20 minutes, right? Sure, Finding your way to the bathroom in those big arenas, waiting in the line, finding your seat again, and then the girl's like, yeah, okay, cool, find a ride home? Like, there are so many options that I thought of that I was just so confused why they weren't offered up. Yeah, her leaving, knowing she's not going to be able to get back in. The friend being like, okay, I guess it's fine that you're going to hitchhike home and I'll drive your car. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. What did she go outside for? I mean, we set off Mike before because I was screaming about this before. Maybe she went out for a cigarette? But she was told 80 times that she wouldn't get back in. I know. I know. There are a couple things that we find out later, but that is not one of them. We do not know why she left the arena. No. So it's the next day now. It's Sunday, October 18th. It's 11 a.m. Now, remember, the dad is expecting her to be home to balance her checkbook, whatever that means. I'm assuming he's, like, going to teach her the number to call Bank of America to beg that they remove the overdraft charges. That's balancing a checkbook, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Turns out I am really good with my money. Yeah. Also... Dad is at home enjoying a quiet morning because mom is at church. And I was like, hilarious that dad was like, yeah, I'm not doing the church thing. You go have fun. I Not for me. So he's waiting for Morgan to come back to balance checkbooks. About 11 o'clock in the morning, they get a call from the University of Virginia police. I had received a call about maybe 11 o'clock from the University of Virginia police who told me that uh, someone had turned in um, a purse that was found. And it was Morgan's and with her ID uh, in, the, in the purse. And I thought that I thought that was strange. But then I thought, well, you know, maybe getting in the car, Morgan dropped her purse, and boy, she was really going to be angry. Someone had found Morgan's purse in the parking lot, and it had her ID. And he was pretty chill about it, which honestly, like, I probably would be too. I'd be like, holy moly, like, thank God someone turned in her purse. Yeah, but mom gets home from church, yeah. and she's like, bitch, no, this is a big fucking scary deal. Like, the mom knows right away that the dad does not understand why this is serious. Like, it's 11 in the morning. By the time mom gets home, it's probably noon. She should have been home by now. You know what I mean? So this is the first piece of, like, scary news 
news this family's going to get. Yeah, and I just want to point out, Mama Jill was running on Spidey senses. Like, she yes. was just yeah. in her gut. She's like, no, actually, this isn't okay. Whatever that means, it's not okay. Go, Mama Jill. Down, bitch. Yeah, so the mom decides she's going to, like, call all the friends that Morgan went to the concert with to try to figure out what happened to her. Like, where is she? All the friends are like, we haven't seen her. We don't really know anything about her. We find out later that the friends actually did wait around for her after the show. But in this moment, I'm like, who are these fucking assholes that were like, yeah, she wandered outside of the venue two hours ago. We're not going to call her now that the show is over and, like, just make sure she's okay. Like, it seems in this moment, like, the friends just forgot about Morgan, but got in Morgan's car and went home. Yeah, the car thing. And if someone were to say before Uber, right? Before any kind of rideshare app, you keep my keys. I'm going to get home. <laughs> what? But also, <laughs> even if she couldn't get yeah. back in, the option of being like, all right, I guess I'm going to wait out here and like chain smoke cigarettes until you guys get out. Like, was that not an option discussed? Right. It's like October in Virginia. It's not freezing. I mean, she was only wearing a T-shirt, so maybe she was chilly. But still, like, if it's either that or... The other option is hitchhike home. Yeah. Wait outside and be a little cold. But, like, also, it's a concert on a college campus. Like, it means it's a show for for college kids. And if you don't let them back in, they're going to make stupid fucking choices. Yeah. I can't think of the reason to not let them back in if they do have their ticket. What is the reason? I don't know. Maybe they're afraid they're going to go out and get, like, outside food and drink or something. Oh, God. Who God, knows? Yeah. God forbid. The amount of times I've snuck into a movie with a bag of Popeyes under my arm. Okay. One time, my friend Mike and I bought a huge bottle of rum to go to a movie. Like, at noon, it was a weird time. We brought the bag in, and the guy, like, I was I was hiding it under my coat, and the guy was like, what's under your coat, sis? I was like, nothing. And he's like, I'm going to need to see under your coat. And I, like, handed him, shamefully, this huge bottle of rum, which, by the way, we had nothing to drink it with. Yeah, I mean, I would be more pissed that you were drinking straight rum than you were trying to sneak shit in. Straight warm rum at noon, girl. Did you want to reexamine your life choices? <laughs> Truly, and you just walk away. You're like, I know. You know what? This one's on me, sir. I'm going to own this. I'm going to see myself out. Anyway, can I pick that up at the Lost and Found on the way out, or how do I get that back when I leave? Can I run back? No, you may not, sir. (laughs) Bring back a sensible pineapple juice, then we'll talk. Okay. You make a a solid argument. Thank you. So that afternoon, the dad calls the University of Virginia police, because this is where the concert was. It was on this college campus. And the university police, they say that they take it very seriously. And I went, seriously enough to call the real fucking cops, though? No? Yeah. Like, you guys are basically campus security. Yeah. I don't care if you take it seriously. Call the real goddamn police. My kid is missing. The University of Virginia police take the Harrington's concerns very seriously. The officers conduct a search of the immediate area surrounding the John Paul Jones Arena. Now, in the overflow parking lot near the athletic fields, they find more telling evidence. Morgan's cell phone with its battery missing. So the university police find Morgan's cell phone with the battery missing. This is another thing that never comes back. Spoiler, we eventually find out what happened to her. We never find out why her cell phone was missing a battery. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, she dropped it. And, you know, the old cell phones with those slide backs... You know, they would just, like, bounce out. The batteries did just, like, bounce Literally out just, like, things. bounce out. And you're like, well, there's my back. And six feet over there, there's my fucking battery. Yeah. 
You guys, kids today have no idea. As Ellen likes to say, we walked so you kids could run. It's all right? honestly true. Sim cards. Remember having to bring a backup battery? Like, we used to have to have backup batteries for our phones. You know what? The T9 texting, I, I bring it up all the time. The <laughs> children know. will never understand that you I had know. to hit the zero four goddamn times to get a zero. <laughs> They hit the, hit the number zero. You had I to know. hit it four times. So then they do get in touch with the Virginia State Police. And they're saying at that time, on that Sunday, they are considering this a missing persons case. There is absolutely yeah. no evidence of foul play. And I was like, nobody say she just disappeared into thin air. But that's basically what they're saying. Yeah. And they're saying, too, like, the thing that, like, I can't get out of my brain, and it comes up here again, is that, like, she was so excited about this concert. Why did she leave? Why did she leave the arena after she was told she would not be able to get back in? Right. And all of her friends attest she was not leaving the concert. We had her keys. Yes, she had her bag. She was definitely going to the bathroom. There was nothing about her that was like bouncing to go meet someone or going to do anything, you know, shady by any means. She was going to the bathroom. Everybody said that. Yeah. And so, you know, they and this is where we learned that the friends after the concert, like did wait around for her for like several hours and they go to some like downtown restaurant that they knew that she liked to go to and maybe they did but nobody says it like did you just want to call her sis did you just want to give her a call yeah they didn't say that but i imagine they did and her battery was outside of her phone and it was probably going straight to voicemail i mean they didn't mention that but you know it was 2009 so now the cops are involved and they know for sure this is a huge venue they know they're going to get something in the surveillance footage they have surveillance footage of the parking lot the venues the banks nearby the stores nearby they collect hours and hours of footage from pretty much everywhere and the most remarkable thing is that it wasn't taped over i was like weird (laughs) but almost 24 hours you guys i can't believe it's still there oh virginia is backwards um i was like (laughs) shocking but they find nothing on the tapes They they go through all the hours of the tapes and they don't see morgan on them anywhere next police turn to the media trying to find witnesses who might have spotted Morgan that night. Anyone who may have seen Morgan or a young lady matching his description after October 17th, which was Saturday night, she reported to the police. They hold a press conference and listen, you know, I get all my catty, bitchy, defending women high horse. And yeah. the man who was holding the press conference was describing her and they're like, she's blonde. She's got blue eyes. She was wearing a mini skirt. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> like in my mind, like the first go of it was him being like, Listen, she's blonde hair, blue eyes. She's dressed like a slut. Listen, she still deserves our love and attention, even though she was asking for it. Short skirt. Look more like a long shirt. You know, lots of leg. Possibly a little bit of a vagina vagina hanging out. A A slut skirt. She was wearing a slutty slut skirt. I don't know why. The fact that he said Uh mini skirt got me so mad. And that's a problem with me. But anyway. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like, they don't have anything to work with. You know, like, they're just saying all we have is a missing girl, a purse, and a cell phone. And that's it. You know, they do this whole canvas of the area. There's troopers on foot. There's canines. There's helicopters. Again, they come up with nothing. And then jump to October 20th, right? 
And all of a sudden, like, you know, this is becoming more and more of a national story. And they're saying the nation is rallying behind the family. You know, people come up with $100,000 in reward money. Metallica offers money to the family as a reward. James uh, Hetfield, uh, who is with Metallica, called, uh, called me and uh, said that uh, he was so sorry for Morgan's situation. And um, he... Um, um, offered a reward of $50,000. They offer $50,000. And I mean, Metallica even, this is actually huge. Metallica put something on their webpage for anyone that had any kind of information. Moreover, any kind of cell phone footage that might yes. have led yes. to finding Morgan. And this is where a bunch of breaks come in the case. And I just want to say, I know you don't like heavy metal music, but that was yeah. really super fucking cool of Metallica to do. No, it really, really was. And especially when, when you take into consideration that if I went missing at an Indigo Girls concert, I feel like between the two of them, they'd come up with $46 for my reward. <laughs> ha. This is Amy Ray. I got $42 and a scratch ticket. Uh, if anyone has seen this chubby gay man, I hear he's very friendly, if a little loud. <laughs> I assume that's a really spot on impression, but I have absolutely no clue. <laughs> But it was also, like, a post on their webpage, like, the fucking Dark Ages. Like, imagine if Metallica had had Instagram in right. whatever year this yeah, was. absolutely. You know? Like, how often are people like, what's Metallica up to? I'm going to go to their webpage. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What is it? Dub I assume it's, I assume it's www.metallica.com. That's not it. No, it's a .gov. They couldn't get the Got .com. Got they, it. It's a .gov. Got it. Yeah, it was .gov. <laughs> Metallica.gov, you guys. As witness after witness comes forward online and through the police tip line, a bizarre picture of Morgan's movements outside the arena begins to emerge. So after this plea from Metallica, witnesses start to come forward. And so they're getting all these witness accounts. Like as of like 8.50 p.m., she's spotted outside the ticket booth area. And like this is the moment when she leaves the venue, even though she'd been told she wouldn't be able to come back in. And all these people outside the venue are reporting seeing her, like, tripping and falling and sort of, like, being very wobbly, not being able to walk very clearly. Yeah. And now her friends attest. Her friends are adamant. She had been drinking, but she was not out of control drunk. Now, we were talking about this before the episode. I don't know if they were covering for her. Remember in the Brian Barton case when he yeah. actually was on way harsher drugs than his friends would admit to? Because uh -huh. I get it. You, kids, you don't want to be forthcoming about it because you instantly think I'm in trouble, not I need to help someone. So maybe she had, you know, taken a pill or done a bump of coke or... I was thinking that somebody, like, slipped her something. Like, yes, I was thinking totally that, like... totally possible. You know what I mean? Totally. Someone saying, you know, giving her a pill, whatever it could be. Like, over 100 people yeah. reported seeing her in the parking lot. Like, she fell at one point. She, like, that, we know that she dropped her purse, and that's probably when she dropped her phone, and the battery, you know, went bouncing away, as those phones did back in the day. You know the word that everyone kept saying that I thought was really funny, but is actually very descriptive? Wobbly. <laughs> they kept saying, I was like, I got that. I've, I've had the wobble legs before, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've had my fair share of cocktails in my life. Never had a wobbly leg, not not one scroll. I get wobbly legs, and I get I get I get this mouth like that. <laughs> I I just get funny. Uh, I have another adjective. Yes, irate. <laughs> yeah, 
You guys, you guys. <laughs> That's not true. Oh, oh, you get some grumpy gills. You get <laughs> <No>. some grumpy <laughs> gills. <laughs> Alcohol heightens whatever mood you're in. So you were probably just in a bad mood that day. Or maybe you made me furious. Now see, this tracks. This tracks. If I'm with you and I get hammered and all of a sudden I'm really angry, that makes sense. What makes sense? <laughs> Just spell it out for me. What makes sense? I'm just saying you're prone to making me angry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I just I just threw my back out giving a fuck. The last place Morgan was seen was at 9.30 p.m. on this place called Copley Street Bridge. After compiling accounts from over 100 independent eyewitnesses, the investigators have a clearer picture of Morgan's movements outside the John Paul Jones arena. It leads them to the Copley Road Bridge over the railroad tracks to the west of the arena. The last place that Morgan Harrington was seen around 9.30 would have been the Copley Street Bridge, trying to catch a ride, hitchhiking. People were saying she was trying to, like, catch a ride like she was fucking hitchhiking. I, I just wrote what in big letters. Like, uh, what? Hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. Come on. So this makes me think that she wasn't quite with it. This makes me think yeah. that she was not in her right mind because why didn't she, I mean, I guess she didn't have her phone. Why didn't she go to a payphone and call her parents? Like, hitchhiking? Hitchhiking is, like, zero to 100. That is, like, please nobody ever do that. Right. Nobody go and, hitchhiking. Yeah. You are just going to get murdered if that happens. And two different people placed her on that bridge, it should be noted. It wasn't just one eyewitness. Two different people placed right. her there. So at this point, the cops, they're like, they're continuing to search the campus of the University of Virginia. They say they start looking at known dumping grounds. We have covered this 800,000 times on True Crime Obsessed. There should be no such thing as known dumping grounds. If there is a place that is a known dumping ground, that is known that people bring their fucking dead bodies that they just murdered to put them there, you need floodlights and cops there all the time, girl. Yeah, all the time. I know. And they did everything. They did the helicopters. They did the dogs. They did the ground The what, searches. honey? What? They did the what? What'd I say? The holocopters. Helicopters. Where, what's a holocopter, my love? Did I say that? <laughs> Jennifer, what did I say? <laughs> and they did everything. They did the holocopters. Okay. Yeah, it's the holocopters. Uh, the holocopters. <laughs> so They get the holocopters. <laughs> okay. All right. We're, we're, I'm, I'm moving on because you're lollygagging. Okay. Yeah. And you got a heart out today. I got today, a heart so out. Okay. Let's continue this meander through this episode. <laughs> so here we are, you know, checking every lead, every tip, and it's six weeks. We got, you guys, we've got every helicopter they can get up, the, up in the air looking for her. Okay. And so it's so funny because some days I look at where I've really succeeded in life and uh -huh. where my greatest accomplishment is, and mm -hmm. sometimes it's it's honestly just keeping my mouth shut. It's actually a tremendous gift. Because, do you know what I mean? It's... Yeah. Because when you open it, you say things like, helicopters. Sure. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Patrick makes a mediocre joke. News at 11. By December 16th, Eight weeks after Morgan vanished, investigators stopped searching. 
it's frustrating and demoralizing to feel um, that you, people would quit on Morgan. So eight weeks later, they're basically like, Y'all, we don't know what else to do. We need to call off this search. We have done everything we can. And the Harringtons are like, y'all can stop. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to engage the media. We're going to keep her picture out there. We're going to keep going. And... And they, they keep with the public, please. And they're, they're not going to stop. Of course they're not going to stop. No, but this is also where the local paper gets involved. So the local paper is called The Hook. And this reporter, Courtney, decides she's going to start investigating this case. Reporter Courtney Stewart begins digging through the hundreds of witness accounts online and plugging into the town gossip to see if she can unearth any new information in the case. We learn that she pours through all of the eyewitness accounts. And then Christopher says, but she also tunes into the town gossip, which I was like, okay, this looks like a website, but I really, really want it to be a person. I want it to be like a gay named Michelle yeah. who just knows everyone's shit. You know hey what I mean? Hey, girl, sit down. I've got that fucking tea, bitch. I've got that fucking tea. Listen to this. You know, you know, you know, Janet got a new Honda. Yeah. No, she fucking financed that shit. She financed that shit. That bitch can't afford a new Honda. Please tell me that Michelle is the town gossip and that it's not on a website. I think it's a website. I also really want it to be a skinny little Twinkie gay named Michelle. I like your story better. So, yeah. So this kind of like armchair investigator Courtney organizes this whole group of people that want to further investigate it and they have this sort of town hall meeting and they're talking about everything that they've done or that they can do and this woman stands up in the back and was like uh hey I made a tip I made a call and nobody called me back nobody asked me further questions I saw her I saw Morgan that night And this woman's name is Norma Parson, and she's fucking here to tell her fucking story. Norma is still mad. She is still mad, and she is not here for your shit. No. So Norma is saying that she was, like, delivering papers in in this area of the university campus, and it was 3.45 in the morning. So it's six hours after the sighting of Morgan on that bridge, that Copley Bridge. And she says that, like, she sees this girl on the West Lawn. She's wearing a black jacket, a black skirt, a black shirt. When I got to the opening to the West Lawn, she was just standing there, and she was tall. Um, blonde. Her hair was stuck inside of her jacket. So I, uh, I just stood there while they walked slowly by me. I just noticed she had all black on. She had black jacket, black skirt, no tights, um, knee-high boots, and uh, three white young males walking with her. She says no tights. I remember being told that Morgan was wearing tights. Ellen and I have thoughts on that. Ellen and I spent a fair amount of time talking about this before we before started recording today. Which we never do. We always say save it for the episode, but we were both really hopped up. So she attests that she didn't have tights. But it's 3.45, almost 4 o'clock in the morning. Maybe, you know, she got drunk and got busy and took off her tights. Or maybe she got comfy. Or maybe she sat and watched a movie you know, whatever, but it just seems so if this story is right, it's six hours since she left the Metallica concert. She's in a part of town where she doesn't know anybody. She's not with her friends. This woman, Norma says she's with like three or four other guys. And Norma says like, as these people, the three guys and this woman walked past her into the dorm, she said 
she looked this girl straight on in the face. And that's how, like, the next morning when she saw Morgan's picture in the paper, she's like, I saw that girl. I saw her yesterday. And so she says she called the tip line and that the cops didn't take her very seriously. And I said, the cops do not appreciate that version of the story. They beg to differ, in fact. Yeah, I mean, again, they were both really set in their stories. Norma was like, it happened this way. And the police were there to say, no, we vetted that statement. We used bloodhounds. We went all around. But, you know, reporter Courtney from the local paper, she follows up on the story anyway. She's like, if the cops aren't going to follow up, I'm going to do it. Right. I said, Courtney, comma, who gives no fucks, comma, goes to the actual dorm room where this woman, Norma, saw these three boys and this young woman go. Courtney knocks on the door, and the dude who answered the door is like, that's actually an impossible story. Like, that couldn't have happened. And I was like, well, what was he going to say, Courtney? Like, oh, let me show you where I hid the body in my closet in my dorm room. You know? And he gives them some story about a wedding being in that area. Maybe they were guests from the wedding. And Courtney explains, she's just retelling what this person told us. And Norma's like, no. Right. (laughs) Norma's like, I saw what I saw, and I saw Morgan. Norma Parson stands by her story. I'm good at faces, and I may not know your name, but if I haven't seen you in five years, I will remember your face. When I saw her in that paper, I knew that was her. She's like, bitch, I'm good at faces. I might not know anybody's name. I was like, actually, me too, girl. Yeah. But she's like, I'm really good at faces. And I saw her face and that was her. And I got to be honest, I don't think the story is, like, I think Norma is telling a truth. I just don't think that she saw Morgan. So November 22nd, 2009, it's been over a month since Morgan's been missing. The investigation has faltered. But then, like, two miles away from the arena, a student finds a Pantera shirt in the bushes next to an apartment complex. Like, this must be a story that everyone in this town knows, like, the intimate details yeah. of. Because he knows immediately, like, that girl that went missing was wearing a Pantera shirt. He calls the cops, and the cops come out and get the shirt. Absolutely. I, I saw it, and I was like, "It's this is, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. Yeah. They send the shirt to forensic. Luckily, there was hair on it, human hair, and they were able to get a DNA match that it was indeed Morgan's shirt but that's kind of it there was no other leads with that they were like you can't gather fingerprints from material or anything like that no but there's gotta be somebody put that shirt there yeah so somebody had to see somebody put that shirt there or something like someone threw it out a window you know of their car or something like that but i mean it's like it's a major major piece of evidence it feels like they dropped this lead pretty quick yeah especially having found her hairs on it like it's definitely her like there's a lot that it tells you. She didn't wander that far away. She was here somewhere. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how did that shirt get off her fucking body and end up in these bushes? Yeah. Somebody has to know something. No, I mean, I have, I'll have. i be honest. Like, when they found that shirt, I'm like, oh, they're going to tell us what happened. That, that is not the case. They do not tell us yeah. what happened. So fast forward to January 26, 2010. David Bass, a farmer in Albemarle County, is taking a tractor ride along his property line to check on the fences after a heavy snowfall. I mean, this Christopher read this sentence so fast I had to write the whole thing out. A guy named David Bass, a farmer, is taking a tractor ride along his property line to check the fences after a heavy snowfall. And I just went, again, there's there's lots of different kinds of people in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? This poor guy is just trying to check the fences. What kind of damage can snow do to a fence? I guess is my question. I don't know any 
answers to any question like that ever. Don't set me up for failure. I was like, David, why you got to go check the fences? It was just snow, girl. Why are your fences so defenseless against the snow? Do you want me to say something? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. So anyway, he gets to like a far-flung corner of his property, and he sees what he thinks is a deer carcass. And he gets down off of his, tra- is it called a tractor? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> he gets down off of his motor car yeah. and sees a human skull and he realizes it's a body. And he calls the cops. Oh, oh, oh. And then this is the thing that like made me the most crazy in this entire episode. The cops like rush to the farm to see the body. Somebody from the media calls Morgan's parents to tell them that they think they found Morgan's body. That's how they found out. Not from the cops, from the fucking media. I know. I know. So they take the dental records and it is a match for Morgan Harrington. So this immediately turns into a homicide investigation. And they tell us that they can't, in the episode, of course, they say they can't release the cause of death because it's an ongoing case. I was yeah. I was like, really? I, okay. I, I've never heard of that. And then Christopher calls the farm vast, which I'm like, now you're just fucking with my emotions, Christopher, because I'm sad that I have to point out the fact that you use the word vast. And then, you know, I'm back and forth. I'm up and down. I'm hot and cold. I'm yes, I'm no, you know. So then in 2010, forensic evidence connects this case, Morgan's case, to another case. And we learn about this attack that happened on September 24th, 2005, in Fairfax County, Virginia, which is like 200 miles away, but in the same state. And basically, like at 10 o'clock at night, a young woman was walking home from the grocery store. Some guy grabs her from behind, takes her to a local community pool, rapes her, but then like runs off when he hears a passerby coming. So this woman fought this guy off, and they were able to get samples of his DNA And she got a good enough look at him that they're able to make a composite sketch. But it's from the DNA. Like, when they put the DNA that they found on Morgan into, like, some system somewhere, it popped up as a match to the person who did this crime. So they know now that they can connect it to another crime, which means now Morgan's case has a composite sketch to go with it as well. Right. And then they tell us they won't tell us how the match is made. And I was like, why are you keeping secrets? Who are you protecting? (laughs) Are you protecting the bad guy? We're not here to protect right. the bad guy. Like, what the fuck? Like, like my rage train has run out of gasoline when you tell me that you you can't tell me how or why this match is made. So, like, the episode kind of ends with us finding out that these cases are connected. They've got this guy's DNA on file. And that, like, they're hoping that eventually this DNA match is going to lead to the answer. It's kind of one of those things where, like, the episode ends with us being like, well, I guess someday we'll know. Right. But we know, right? Like, there's an update. Yeah, there is an update. And they also, you know, say that they made a scholarship fund in her name um, and that they were contributing to a school in Zambia, Africa, so that children could be educated in her name. Wait, so give us, tell us what you learned, girl. All right, here we go, guys. So I learned that Jesse Matthew Jr., 
was charged with the abduction and murder of not only Morgan Harrington, but also Hannah Graham. Hannah Graham was a British American student at the University of Virginia. She went missing September 13th, 2014. So that was five years later, also in Charlottesville. Um, her remains were discovered weeks later and Jesse Matthews pleaded guilty to that, which then led him to plead guilty to Morgan Harrington's murder. So the cause of death is labeled as homicidal violence of an unknown origin. But and that's for Morgan. That's for Morgan. Her rib and unarmed were fractured as well as a fractured skull. Matthew received a life sentence and is currently, he was in state prison, but actually May of last year, he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And in December of 2020, he was transferred to a state prison hospital. Did we get any more like information on like how he got Morgan, anything like that? Well, he picked her up on the bridge. That Cop Copley bridge or whatever. Yeah, there isn't much more information. I don't know why. I did. I had to do a lot of like backdoor investigation from the Hannah Brown case going back to the Morgan Harrington case. So this brings me to something that I'm pretty passionate about. And I don't know why we've never mentioned it, but I just wanted to kind of like put out there a couple tips that every woman should know and practice. Obviously, you never know if you're in a situation like this, but there are like a couple of essential things that we can remember. And these were just a couple things that I thought of off the top of my head that I just want to voice. Um, if you're ever um, being attacked, which these women were. So number one is to make as much noise as possible. Yell, scream, draw attention to yourself, possibly yelling fire rather than yeah. help. Using your knees and elbows whenever you can. And if you're indoors, spit if you can. That spreads your DNA. And if you can focus on vulnerable areas, the eyes, the nose, the throat, the groin, the top of the foot is a very reactionary place. Oh, this is such a big one. If you ever get into a car and there is something on your windshield or the hood of your car and it's late at night, leave it there. Drive away. Wait, I'm confused. What do you, I don't know what that means. If there's something on... There have been people who leave like water bottles on hoods of cars in the middle of the hood. So someone would have to be like, huh, what's that? And lean over the hood to grab it. And that leaves oh. you vulnerable and able to be grabbed from behind. Never, oh. ever leave your drink unattended. I know that that's a thing we all know, but just it can't be said enough. And I know we've heard this time and time again, but never go to a second location. Um... Say something funny. I'd really love to hear the Indigo Girls cover a Metallica song. <gasps> what about Step Inside, Walk? This is Def Leppard. Step Inside, <laughs> Walk This Way, You and Me, Babe. Hey, hey. Tell me that an Indigo Girls cover of that would not be perfect. <laughs> I can't even do an Indigo Girls impression. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, my God, you guys. If you want more Ellen and me, find us on our Patreon. You get, this is what you get. You get our monthly true crime trivia. Over a thousand people come every time. We have special guests. It is so super fun. You get three full bonus episodes a month. Right now we're covering Snapped. Those those ladies be crazy, girl. Oh, my God. They're insane. We're going to be moving on to another series very soon. It's just up for yeah. Patricia and I to decide which one because these ladies are crazy. Yeah. At the $10 level, you also get ad-free versions of these episodes. You get our, you get to be part of our best friend circle on Instagram, which I love the best friend circle. I know. It's like, just like talking to pals. We just basically talk to the camera. Oh, yeah. We like, it's like a confessional. It's like our own private confessional. 
Uh, we love you guys. Don't forget to join the Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. Follow us on Instagram, The Disappeared Pod. Every Friday night, we go live at 6 p.m. We, you know, we hang out, we talk, we make jokes, we drink, we fight sometimes. It's a really good time. Yeah. But all those things that you just said. Ah, uh, tell them about your TikTok. Oh, oh, now you want to talk about my TikTok? I'm on TikTok. Listen, <laughs> I'm on TikTok. Ellen Marie Marsh, come and find me. I am way too old for TikTok, and I embarrass myself. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's all. We don't have, I don't want to give any other handles. Just go find that one safer, you guys. Safer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, love you, girl. Love you. Love you, guys. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Do you know you misspelled Chrissy Teigen's name today on our Facebook post? On our, oh no, did I really? Yeah, so whenever you point a finger at someone, remember <laughs> you've got three pointing back at you. I'll just text her an apology. How about that? Yeah, I mean, oh. Look, Should I just text her an apology? I have a cramp in my foot. Oh my God. <laughs> Are you okay? I think Emerson Public Safety was only good for giving us cab vouchers. The cab vouchers were the best. Oh, my God. Yeah. I did not realize you had to pay those. Eventually. Oh, yeah. They came back. <laughs> they were like, thank you, Mr. Hines. Here is your diploma. And you owe us $7,000 in cab vouchers. <laughs> I assume that's a really spot-on impression, but I have absolutely- I've never done an Amy Ray, but wait, now I'll do my Emily Salliers. Hi, this is Emily Salliers. Um, I also have $42 uh, and, a, and a cross stitch that I made What's on it like? tour. What's it like to make a joke that only like 2% of the population can relate to? <laughs> just, just go through that emotion with me. Yeah. What's that feel like? Do you ever get wobbly off of one of your edibles that you love? Um, no, that's not what happens with, with mm, edibles. What? You would know that if you tried it and stopped drinking yourself into a bloody stupor every night. <laughs> Unlike me, who's a productive member of society and enjoys what mm -hmm. God's green earth has provided for us. Ha <laughs> ha